We're excited to give you a sneak peek at one of our coachesedge.coach members meetings. This was a panel on leadership. Our speakers were Principal Troy Slatman and Charlevoix boys basketball coach Anthony Troshak. Both have many, many years of coaching experience at various sports and different levels. And to hear their insight on leadership, program building, communication, activities, and ways that we can continue to improve uh, our entire community, not just ourselves and the players that we have was really, really enlightening for myself and a lot of our members. I had a good page of notes from listening to this. So uh, if you're curious about coachesedge.coach, what comes with our membership, man, is so much more than a website where you get resources for videos and PDFs and a weekly email from me. It's the chance to jump on and, and ask questions, you know, learn from other coaches, go to pr presentations on Zoom, panels, roundtable discussions. It's just it's a, as much as we can do to serve coaches around the country, even around the world through a digital membership, uh, because it's much more than that. It's a community. So go to coachesedge.coach if you want to learn more. Again, big thank you to Troy and Coach Tro for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge. Let's get to the show. Coaches, thanks for joining our meeting. It is eight o'clock and I want to be respectful of everybody's time, uh, especially yours. So thank you for coming to our meeting on the topic of leadership tonight. Coach Troy Slapman, uh, Principal Troy Slapman, I mean, tons of different coaching experience, but basically he's, he's in Northwest Ohio. I'm going to have him introduce himself, um, but uh, I feel like an additional family member every time I get up to Northwest Ohio during the summer, him and his family have, have taken me in. And I get spoiled because not only do they take care of me uh, a lot of times during the summer, but I get the chance to have conversations with him uh, and just his experience, decades of experience, coached a variety of different sports. And I always feel like after we have a conversation, I could have put that on the Coach's Edge podcast because it's it's that good. So, uh, Troy, thanks for being uh, on the panel and please introduce yourself to our guests. Well, thanks, Steve. I really do appreciate the opportunity to be on here. I don't, I don't know that many people really do listen to me. Um, but I do like to talk. Um, I'm fortunate to, to have Steve as a friend. And when he says he comes up, I don't know who enjoys that more, us or my wife getting the opportunity to cook for Steve. He'd weigh more than 165 pounds if he lived with me more often. So um, I have 27 years of education experience. 20. 185. Come on, 185. All right. Well, you'd gain more. So, um, you know, my experience in, in education I taught for five years and uh, have been everything from an assistant principal, athletic director, special ed director to principal. Um, I worked with severely emotionally disturbed kids. Um, when I say that means kids that throw chairs, cuss, scream um, to, you know, some division one athletes that got the opportunity to coach. And as athletic director, you know, also help those kind of athletes and, and parents kind of navigate the steps to get to the next level. So it's just been a wide range of things I've done in education and uh, along the way I've met some tremendous people. So um, that's my background. Um, I really enjoy basketball, I'm a basketball guy. Uh, I think I met Steve probably around 2010-ish uh, and watched him work out, leaning against the wall and think, man, I'm just tired of watching him work out. Um, and went over and introduced myself and it's kind of been uh, on the upswing since then. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Coach Troshak, um, you know, we got to know each other way, way back. He invited me to run a basketball camp for his kids. Uh, he continued to invite me back to run a basketball camp for his kids. That turned into a, a friendship after that. And uh, now it's, you know, working together and, and uh, providing resources for coachesedge.coach members. So uh, Coach Tro, why don't you introduce yourself to a couple of our guests who uh, look like uh, they're new to Coaches Edge here. Yeah, uh, thanks for the introduction, Coach. Um, it's it's an honor to be here. A um, little background information about myself. Um, I this is my entering my fourteenth year, so I'm not I'm about a little less than half than Troy. Uh, but fourteenth year in education, uh, twelve years as a varsity um, boys basketball coach, and uh, I've coached at three different schools. Um, small, small school in the thumb of Michigan that graduated between 10 and 20 kids, I, I grade. I'm um, then a little bigger one um, in the thumb of Michigan and Brown City, and I was there for seven years. Now I'm up in Charlevoix, Michigan, 
Um, so it's a smaller D3 school. Um, but, you know, I look at the, the others here in this meeting and I'm kind of like, you know, may, maybe they should be presenting on leadership because there's some great coaches out here. But I think that ultimately is what makes them great. And what makes them good leaders is they're here, you know, on a Monday night at eight o'clock, you know, maybe they'll jump off on the Lions kickoff, but we'll see here. But um, they are they're here and they're um, they're they're ready to learn and I'm ready to learn from everyone here and uh, just provide, you know, any help that I can, I can provide. I appreciate that coach Tro and couldn't, couldn't agree more. We're very thankful for everybody that, that is here. Uh, Troy, I'm going to have you kick it off. What comes to mind when you hear the word leadership? Um, I think leadership is someone that just uh, takes, takes individuals, takes, you know, groups of people and pushes them outside their comfort zone. And I think as a leader, it's your job to push individuals and then also continue to grow um, from your professional standpoint and personally, you know, so as a leader, I think you try to impact as many people as you can. Um, you know, most of the research will tell you that you, people learn the most from modeling. So how I handle myself, how I approach people, how I treat people, um, you know, I think that's what individuals can learn from you. Um, you know, I think in our relationship and, and with like Brian Sable, we've been on here before, um, just watching you guys interact. And I had a conversation with Kevin Brandt, um, you know, as a father, I look at him from a distance, um, you know, we're 40 minutes away, but just watching him interact with his kids and the relationship he has with them, you know, he's a leader as a father. So it's kind of just constantly learning, um, constantly teaching and constantly modeling what you want others to, to do. So that's my, you know, there's a lot to leadership, but I think that you have to understand people, what makes them tick, and then how do you teach them and how do you make them grow and get better, maximize their ability. And I know that sounds all simple, but that's what leaders do. Let's make you better. Thanks, Troy. Coach Troshak, yourself. Yeah, um, Troy kind of mentioned um, some things I was – I was talking about, you know, the ability to influence, help, inspire people to become the best versions of themselves. And part of that is getting out of their comfort zone and really believing in them. Um, even believing in them more than they believe in themselves and what they're capable of. And I believe leadership is paradoxical, if, if that's the correct word, um, because there's so many different styles and ways to lead and to get people um, to work together or to, you know, believe in themselves. Um, to become the best version of themselves. There's more than one way. It's not just co cookie cutter leadership. Um, so there's different styles out there, but I think, you know, boils down to, you know, a couple of things. One is your ability to lead yourself um, because, you know, you've all heard the story about, um, you know, you're on an airplane. What do you, what's the first thing you do? You put on your mask first um, to take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else. And I think as a leader, you have to um, have the ability to lead yourself because if you don't do that, then, you're not going to sustain um, the level of leadership that um, is going to be required to be a great leader. And then after that, you know, you know, if we're talking from basketball coaching, then you got to be able to lead this, your staff. You got to be able to lead your players, your program, uh, the parents involved in the program. And so that kind of, you know, that's to me is what is the realm of leadership as a coach. And a couple other things like, you know, you can't, you can't shortcut it. You know, like leadership is, is hard work. Uh, you got to have some courage. You, you got to work hard. I um, mean, you got to be, you got to have humility. And I also think you have to fail. Um, and I mean that because, uh, you know, I, I'm a pretty avid reader and every one commonality between good, great leaders that I've you know read about, watch videos about is they've all like had adversity and failure. And, but like, they've all had a growth mindset and they have all learned from that adversity. So I think a failure as weird as it sounds, is a big part of leadership. If I could jump back in here on that, that's um, I think when I talk about that to, to teachers, I talk about like, you have to do your classroom management. You have to do you, you have to have your own DNA and I can learn from everybody I meet um, good and bad. Uh, so I think as you develop your own DNA or your, that's what it is. How do you develop yourself? And then don't have expectations of your players got to push themselves to failure, but you're not willing to do so yourself. And I think those are modeling things that come along with administration, coaching, anything, and really just as a person, you know, how do I lead my kids 
my own personal kids? How do I, you know, lead with my friends or whatever if I don't do those things and treat those people the same? So I think sometimes we get focused just on coaching when it's really a life thing. That if I'm going to be a leader in life, I got to do the exact same things that I'm going to do on a, on the on the court or on the field or wherever I might be. So. Do you feel like I would agree with you, you know, especially I think leadership has significantly changed in the fact that when I grew up and played, you know, early 80s, mid 80s, um, it was top down approach. You know, I'm going to, you know, in business, you're going to I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to know what you're supposed to do and just get it done. There was no fluff to it. No. Um, so I think we've significantly did that. We've We've empowered kids, you know, even from an administrative standpoint, like I tell my teachers, like, I, I'm not going to tell you no, if you come to me with a problem, I might point out some things that I think are going to be problems if we go down that road, or here's some, another way to think about it, but I'm never going to just tell you no. So if I'm have that expectation from an administrator to a teacher, I would expect my teachers and coaches to have that same approach with players, give them power, give them some um, you know, structure, I think from a kids want structure from that aspect, just structure and organization, you can be old school, but you better be in tune relationship wise, more with today's youth and everything else they got going on. I think a mix of both is right, probably where I would be at. Um, you know, there's going to be some of the top down, but also I want your input. I want to know that you're tired. Um, my wife is an athletic trainer, and she said when they were at their best and working with a football coach that loved to practice hour upon hour, for some reason he would listen to her, you know. And I think she had good input. He empowered her to say, like, hey, the boys are probably won't tell you as a head coach, but they're telling me their legs are done. We need to take, you know, have a light day or whatever. And I think – that aspect of listening to your players when they're tired, listen when they're not feeling well or listening when, you know, whatever the issue is, um, somebody within your staff has to be available to listen if that's not you. So this, this is already great. So we're talking about, you know, listening to our athletes compared to in the past. We just say, this is how it is. If you know, you're, you're tired, suck it up and keep going. Um, Coach Tro talked about, you know, empowering others, what are some other of those, those main things that come to mind in, in leadership uh, or maybe they're even strategies that, you know, you found to be more effective with uh, your coaching staff and your players? Coach Troy, I'll throw this back to you. Um, you know, Troy kind of mentioned something that I feel like can't be understated enough is like the relationships. Uh, we're not in you know, Troy probably would say we're, he's not in the school business. He's not in the teaching business. I'm not in the school business. I'm not in the coach, but we're in the relationship business. And it's all about relationships and making connections and having collisions with, you know, the people that are the closest with us, the ones that we're trying to impact and the ones that we're trying to influence. Um, but like, um, you know, really as a, as a coach is owning your, your mistakes is one that sticks out to me in terms of like, Hey, we're going to try this new drill and it falls flat on the face. Like even as a young coach or in the past, you just push through it because that's what we're doing. And that's, that's what's on the practice plan right now. Like you might just be like, all right, I guys, I, I messed up. This drill is not what I expected. This is not productive. Let's move on. That's on me. You go out and maybe, you know, you, from the coaching aspect, you're going to try something, um, in a trap, you know, their best player or something like that is backfires. Hey, that's on me guys. Like I heard a coach once say, like, if you tell the players, you know, and they follow what you say, all their wins and success will be because of the players and all the losses because of the coach, because he's the one that was coming up with that game plan. He was the one that laid the foundations for what you're going to do that practice or that game. So really just, I think that's changed in terms of like owning your mistakes and, you know, oftentimes, just looking and having like that self-awareness of like, what are your blind spots? So that'd be another area that I think that has changed. And like, I just was emailing um, my assistant coach today and I'm telling him some things that I want him to hold me accountable to in practice this season. Um, and then I also asked, what are some blind spots that I'm missing? Like, is it 
you know, talking too much in between drills? Is it, you know, not having enough energy? Is it not having a good pulse on the team? Like uh, Troy was talking about when a team's tired. So I'm looking for other, you know, blind spots that I might have as a leader, as a coach. And that's something that has maybe changed over, over my 12 years of like, what, where can I improve and really just being self-aware. Yes. Yeah, I appreciate that. Troy, how about yourself? To go, to go on that, you know, with, with the ability to videotape everything, you know, it, it's simple to videotape practices and, um, you know, games and things like that. I was just talking to Napoleon's head football coach last night about this, you know, you know, I kid may come off the field and they had a holding penalty or whatever, and you just rip them apart. And by the time you review film and those kind of things, like he had to hold because some other one, some other person on the team didn't do their job. And then he got caught and he'd either hold or get the quarterback killed, you know, in the moment you accused the wrong kid. And I think street cred wise, you have a lot of ability to go back to like watch film and say, Hey guys, listen, I just ripped, you know, Steve, last night in the game coming off the field. I thought his hold, it's, you know, cost the team, but we also have to know we missed responsibilities, which caused him to hold. And I think owning those things and showing kids on video are all teachable for the fact that I'm, I own my mistakes, uh, own what I say, uh, apologize for what I say. Everything is a teachable thing within that whole event. Um, and you gain more street cred. You know, none of us are Deion Sanders and just get to babble because we're one of the greatest athletes ever walked the earth. You know, he he has street cred and it really doesn't matter what he says. It's good for now. Now, can he sustain it? Well, we're going to find that out. Um, but he has street cred that I can't talk about. So we have to earn it in the way we treat people. And I think he treats people well. Um, he just does a little more flamboyant than I think we have the ability to do. At least I do. So I don't have that. You got your own swag. That's for sure. <laughs> your own swag. Just a little different. A little bit different, maybe. Um, <laughs> what are the biggest challenges that face leaders today, Troy? A quick interruption before we get back to the podcast, letting you know some of our new uploads, the Shell Exchange Drill, a really great drill that has a ton of different variations. We just up uploaded that onto the Coach's Edge site, our six-point Defensive contesting drill, just uploaded that onto the Coach's Edge site. And finishing school volume two that we just put up on the coachesedge.coach site. So if you're looking for drills this time of year to put into your practice plans and to better your team offensively and defensively, check out coachesedge.coach. We're not stopping. We're just getting started with all the great resources that we're uploading at the perfect time of year. Let's get back to the show. Uh, social media. Parent involvement, you know, peer pressure on the bad side. Um, you know, social media, everything's instant. Everything's available. Um, it, that can, you know, from an administrative standpoint, you know, I had a conversation the other day with our um, other administrator, and he's talking about a school dance. And I said, school administrators hate school dances because there is absolutely nothing that comes good about going to a school dance. Kids are going to make bad decisions. People really don't dance. And it's just a, it's just a title. So, you know, I, I say that all the time, like social media doesn't, there's no good thing about social media from an athlete standpoint. It's typically going to be bad. Um, parent involvement. It's like, I can remember riding my bike to little league practice and we're scared to let kids ride the bike around the block. Now, you know, all the bad things that people think are going to happen to them. Um, parent involvement, parents going to camp in the summer. And just, I think from my aspect, kids need to be kids at that time. Coaches need to be coaches at that time. That's a bonding time for everyone involved in a program, not parents. Um, and if I offend anybody by that, well, sorry. Um, from a coaching standpoint, I think it's important to have exit meetings. I would, you know, if you got involved parents, if you want to sit down with the parents and the kid after basketball season's over, have an exit meeting, have an honest conversation. Hey, this is where I see you playing next year. We need to get up, you know, make 10, 15,000 threes, whatever it is. Um, but have that honest conversation with the kid, with the parents. And then they can't question you. Like, 
hey, he wasn't giving my kid a chance. No, he kind of laid it out of, you can do all these things, but you might be the sixth best player. Um, but kind of give them your vision. You know, you can't talk about a leader and having a vision and all this things if you're not proactive and kind of lay the game plan out. And if I want a salesman to sell a million dollars worth of stuff, I kind of got to give him the game plan of what he's got to do to get there. And I think from a coaching standpoint, if I was the athletic director, that's what I tell my coaches is you have to give your kids the same proactive lesson approach and goals. Um, you can't just expect them to know them just because you thought they did. You know, you have to write it down, talk to them, talk to their parents. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Do you want to be a college athlete? This is why I got you know, this is, I can put you in contact with Steve. I can do this for you. How do we make this happen? And if kids have a little bit of drive, um, you know, they're going to take full advantage of that. You know, they're just not going to turn them loose for the summer and hope good things happen. So I think those are things that are facing kids. Um, you know, I, I, I talked earlier about being a three-sport guy. Um I think as young coaches, sometimes we pressure kids to my sport's the most important. Um, it is. But I think as a coach, you have to keep in mind, it's about the kids, what they get out of the thing, not your wins and losses. Um, but the more the kids get out of your program, the more you'll win. And um, I think that's really important. I think that just understanding that, yes, I'm a high school coach or, yes, I'm a college coach, but it's really about them because somebody's probably dumb enough to continue to let you coach, especially if you want to do it forever because it's harder and harder to find guys. But kids only usually get three to four years um, to play. If they're lucky, they get eight if they go to college. But after that, it's very few are playing past eight years. Um, so let them take advantage of that. Make it about them. Um, try to teach them along the way. Uh, a lot of great nuggets right there. <laughs> what are some of the challenges facing facing leaders today, Coach Tro, and how do we approach it? Um, you know, you can tell Troy's a, a great administrator because when he was um, asked this question, he he focused on the, the students and like what they're facing. Because and you know, I was writing down notes, and really that's kind of where the foundation level is. Like the the players, the students that we have today. Um, they're just living in a different um, world than what we grew up in. And we as leaders have to make those adjustments. You know, they are in constant, like they're not constant, but I think there's a lot of fear of failure and a, a lot of fear of judgment. Um, and a lot of it could be with social media. Like if you fail nowadays, you get crossed up. Oh my gosh, you're going to be on somebody else's highlight reel. Um, everyone's going to know what happened. Um, if you miss a shot, everyone's going to know, like, there's that. And I think as good leaders, a challenge is putting ourselves and empathizing with these, the students and the players nowadays. It's not like they're completely changed. I'm not saying, oh, kids nowadays, whatever. No, I'm saying, like, we got to learn. We got to put ourselves in their world. Um, and that's a challenge. That is a challenge for adults. That's a challenge for um, coaches. We put ourselves in their world because to us, something very minute and silly is very important to them. You know, it, it's it's like, how is that important to you? How is you you wearing these shoes important to you or having this like this undershirt like important? But it is like so we have to live in their world world a little. And I'm glad that Troy brought that up because it just made me realize like, you know, that's where we really need to start as leaders, and and kind of meet those kids in their world. And some challenges, you know, more talking coaches. Um, and leaders in general is like, I think there's a, a challenge to be yourself because with technology, it's great. And you can hop on the zoom right now and you can listen to us. And be, oh, that's good. But like, have, like Troy said, have your own DNA, be yourself. Um, when back in the day, it wasn't necessarily like that because you didn't have as many opportunities to really view how others were leading, which is good and bad. So you kind of naturally had to be yourself. You had to do it your way. You couldn't really copy someone else because sometimes you're copying somebody that it's not you just be yourself when it comes to leaders, um, leaders. Um, and then, you know, another challenge is that we really have to be transparent in everything we do as leaders. This is why we're doing it. This is how we're going to do it. 
Um, you know, talking basketball specifics, like here's how we're going to determine playing time. This is why um, the, this player, person is going to shoot the ball more. Why? Because this is what they shoot in practice. This is they're the top of the shooting ladder. You have to be more transparent in a lot of different things that you do. And I think that's a challenge because it's so much easier to just be like, well, they're good. You know, they're they're OK. Um, so that's another challenge, um, I think, that leaders face. And then um, the last one I kind of have down in my notes is like it's easy to lose um, our purpose in our our why as as a leader than it was before, because I think there's pressures, there's parents, as Troy alluded to, it's hard coaching nowadays. People, you know, it's hard finding coaches because there's there's just more involved in it and it continues to kind of evolve but like it's so easy to like all right i'm gonna do this because we need to be successful and if we aren't these kids aren't gonna play basketball they're gonna go to something else so i gotta win now i gotta do this um we're really like it's all about like your purpose what is your why why are you doing that it's not but it's easy to get wrapped up in in the wins even you look at successful like college coaches that have had a really good run, you know, Urban Meyer comes to mind, um, you know, after they win the national championship, what's he doing? He's like, I got to win another one. After they win that one, he's literally texting recruits the day they won the national championship. There's like this, this pressure to be successful and to put out a great product that, um, that is a challenge nowadays. Um, that I don't think it was necessarily as much in the past. Thanks for sharing that coach Tro. Um, while you guys are, Coach Tro, I'm going to send this back to you. How does one go about building a player-led team? Coach Tom Izzo, right? Uh, the, you know, Michigan State on their way to win another national championship. Fingers crossed, right? Ranked number third in the country in preseason means nothing. But he's got a, a famous quote, and I don't want to butcher it too much, where he talks about, you know, a player-led team is always better <laughs> than, uh, than a coach's-led team. I see that, Jeff. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that there's a, a ton of truth to that. Obviously, Coach Izzo is, you know, a legendary coach, and he's a very strong leader. Um, we know what he means when he says that, but it's easier said than, than done. Um, ideas, activities, examples on how we can do a, a better job of building a player-led team. Yeah, uh, one thing that, you know, specific to basketball it, I mean, it's basically boils down to like, give them opportunities to lead. Like, just think of things that you do as a coach and you're like, you know, what can the players do that I, that I do? Like, wh what are some things that they can do? Can they lead the pregame huddle? Can they go over some keys before the game? Can they go over halftime, you know, adjustments? Um, can they lead a huddle? You know, you even watch the NBA teams that'll have the players lead the huddle. Steve Kerr is known for that. I think even pop a little, um, but things specifically that that I've done that I think they've had some success or I think they're okay um, is in practice, like if you're going live, you're doing whatever, you give them an option to call a 30-second or a 60-second timeout, and it's all just the players. You know, you're doing a drill. It's four-on-four four cutthroat. It's five-on-five five up and down. Like they can call a timeout. They can get their team together. They can huddle. Um, they can work on it, and you just stay out of it. Um, and there'll be some drills where me and my assistant, we're, we're just the referees right now. We are not, you know, we're not going to coach you. You got to coach your own, your own squad right now. So you can pick one of these two defenses. You can run these sets. So you give them some kind of guidelines and they're out there because ultimately they're the ones that are on the floor. They're the ones that are going through, you know, those battles together. Um, other thing we did at, at halftime, I write on the board three keys for offense and three for defense. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three. And at halftime, they evaluate um, one out of five. Like, are we a one, which is not so good? Are we a five, which is like, great. So like, where are we at at halftime? So me and the other coaches will meet um, right outside the locker room, wherever we're going. We'll talk for two or three minutes. While we're doing that, the players inside the locker room will rate that. So instead of them walking in, you know, doing whatever, sitting down, maybe we're not doing so well pouting or we're doing great and they're just high five and feeling like world beaters, like they're going over these things. Here are the keys to the game. How are we doing? Um, all right. It looks like we're doing great blocking out. That's something we need to continue in the second half. Looks like we're doing great um, in transition. That's something we need to do. Uh, well, this shooter is going off, so we got to make sure we get to him. So they are in there, you know, kind of giving some ratings during halftime. Um, so I think that's another way 
um, to allow um, players um, to lead. But anything you do as a coach that you can that's and you don't have to do it to start the season. We did not do the halftime stuff to start the season. That was five, maybe even 10 games into the season, probably like eight, actually, where we started implementing, giving them a little more responsibility in terms of those, those halftime things. Um, there was another one, but I, but I forgot. It will come back to me, Coach Bammer. But um, those are some things I feel like, you know, you can give them opportunities um, to lead um, in practice, in games, and, and help you out. I appreciate it. What you think of it will we'll come, right, come right back to you. Make sure you add that one as, as well. Uh, Troy, how about yourself? I think when you – the number one thing you have to do is identify your – you know, your gifted leaders, identify the kids on your team that are just kind of natural leaders. And that doesn't necessarily have to be your leading scorer, your best player, but as soon as you can identify the naturals, then you can start working on, you know, um, more things and more team building. And, you know, even at a business standpoint, when you talk to a lot of business owners, they do um, leadership assessments of their employees you know if I got a sales crew I'm going to go out there and give their leadership assessments and these are your strengths you know so I as a someone that's been out of coaching if I was going to go back in I think I would give my players some kind of leadership assessment to identify their strengths and their weaknesses um, that that's a life skill and it's also teaching them like you really care about who I am and also that helps you understand the player more and when I would deal with behavior kids, I'd always ask them, if you come with a warning label, what would that be? So if I'm talking about me as a player, if, if I was to ask you, what is the one thing that I do drives you crazy, you know, as a coach, then, you know, like coach, when you do this, I just can't, I lose my mind. Okay. I know that. And if you don't do something about that as a coach, then that's on you. Um, your player's telling you, this is their warning label you know, do something about it. So I think, first of all, identify your leaders, do some kind of leadership assessment so you know who your kids are and who you can lean on more and who likes what kind of style. Um, I heard the Jets coach talk about there's three kinds of leaders. There's survivors that just show up and, and they, um, you know, just get the job done. They, they they're, you know, they're professionals, but they go about their thing. There's contenders who are motivated by social media um, that, you know, if there's not an external force driving them, like points per game or whatever, they're not really going to compete. Most people that are good are competitors. Um, nothing matters, just win. Um, when you really get good and when you probably have that natural leader, that once every 10-year guy, it's someone that can drag all those people along with them. They're a good leader, but they take everybody else and they bump them up a step or two. Um, they just make everybody on their team better. Um I think that's leadership. I think that's how you do the team building. I think identify – you can identify everybody's role on the floor. Let's identify everybody's role off the, off the court or off the field socially and how we go about who's telling, you know, certain kids not to go out and do stupid things on Friday night. Hey, we got a big game coming up. You know, those are all things that are very life skill. Um, and then you find out, you know – cream rises to the top. But I th that's a couple of things I would do with being out of it for a while um, is go with a natural first. I mean, a natural hitter is a natural hitter. Um, and then kind of evaluate where you're at, where your kids are at, which could be difficult some years, um, could be easy some years. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting how the great teams are naturally led and you as a coach, you might think you really did that. You're just full of crap. They're great kids and they're a great team because they all got it. They are all naturally doing it before you even got involved. Not to bust anybody's bubble there, but sometimes we take a little credit when those kids came from good families. Those kids know how to win. Those kids know how to compete. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. Um, that's when it's fun coaching because you can just sit back, relax, and like, yeah, this is pretty cool importance of like putting them in the fire and giving them opportunity to lead because I feel like a lot of people can lead when things are going well uh, when it's not a hostile environment um, so the more you can drive that competitiveness in practice um, like Jeff said the, or sorry 
Troy said those natural leaders will emerge, especially early in the season, but you really have to put them to the test. And this is where Izzo is so good at it. I mean, like he puts those guys through the ringer. Um, so like in practice and in these early season games, like the rest of the season, that's where they usually hit stride because it's easier because they've been through that. Those leaders have emerged um, because you really need to know who's going to lead you when your back's against the wall um, when times are tough. So in practice, if you can, even if you got a leader where you're like, Hey, you know what? I want to see what they're made of. You put them on a team that might not be the greatest in practice and kind of like stack the deck against them a little bit, uh, the cards against them and see, see how they handle it. Um, or you put them with somebody that's tough to lead, you know, how are they going to handle this player who is really emotional? They're up and down, um, give them that task, um, but really put them in the fire and terms, especially early in the year to see what they're made of. And, and then it gives you an opportunity like, here's what I need to help them with. You can evaluate that instead of come game six when you guys have run in some adversity in the game. You know, you've already been through that in, in your practices. So you guys have done an excellent job explaining, you know, examples, strategies, you know, leadership assessments. Uh, Troy, you also mentioned like some kids are coming to you and they already have these leadership characteristics themselves. You know, you can, some of that's probably nature. Some of that's probably nurture and, and things that they're getting at home. It's probably a combination of both those things. But as a coach, um, are there other ways that we can start to build that, build that out of them? Coach had some great ideas, you know, of challenging the, the best ones and challenging the other kids. And, you know, I, I would look at, um, pairing kids up, you know, based on their assessment strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, doing different drills, um, you know, even different projects, you know, I think you build leaders and we always talk about on the field, but, you know, if I'm having exit meetings, I may pair a strong leader with someone that's maybe has potential, but hasn't emotionally matured enough to see their potential or those kind of things and pair like I'm going to make it Steve's job to drag Troy along in the off season and see what his leadership style is and try to help that other kid mature and work hard. Those are kind of things. Listen, your programs are built in the off season. So something like that, an exit meeting, like, listen, I'm going to need you to take Troy under your wing and he needs to get up 10,000 shots. You know, he needs to do some things like that because I know you're our best player. I know you can lead, but unless we have one or two of these guys step up, we're not going to be as good as we could. So I think pairing those kids up, knowing their personalities and who's going to make sure everybody's showing up to get their shots up or open gyms or um, doing the right things, not making bad decisions in the off season. Um, I think challenging your leaders to do those kind of things in the off season are just as important to because if they if they do that in the off season, it'll come ten times easier when the lights are on. And you know, what are you willing to do when the lights are off? Says more about you than what you're willing to do when the lights are on. Because everybody wants Snapchat and Facebook and all those recognitions. But can I lead? You know, one of my buddies saying he's going to go out and go to this party like. Nah, I think it's a terrible idea. What if you get caught? That's really going to screw the rest of us. You know, you got to have those kind of tough conversations. Um, you know, and those are sometimes in March, not waiting till December till once once the, once you flip the switch for the first day of practice. It is what it is. You know, you can make improvements as a team, but you know, you're probably not going to make a ton of huge strides from a leadership standpoint and a skill standpoint. It's now it's more of what can we do as a team? So I think individuals can need to grow more in the off season than they do, you know, once the lights are on. So, you know, again, give them roles, give them leadership roles, give them duties. You know, I like coach's idea of, you know, hey, we're struggling here. Why don't you guys make a practice schedule? I want to see what you think, what's important, what we need to work on. Um, going back to our very first question of empowering kids, um, give them all those kind of leadership things. It's a constant game. It is. It, it, it never stops. Like you're like, all right, hey, we can't check that box. Like leadership is not just like, okay, we check that box and they're they're going to be a leader. It's day in day out, every minute, every hour. Um, and again, it goes back to us modeling. Can we do that? Can we model? I was going to say it goes back to modeling then, right there. 
So it, it, I will say this, I want to get this in there. It is easier to identify what's not working in programs. Okay. So I can, I can look at a bad program or bad coaching or bad leadership and quickly identify that, but to understand why Izzo, um, all the other great ones to understand what they do and how they do it is mind boggling and complicated and we'll probably never get there. You know, it, it's so easy to identify bad, but it's very difficult to understand, completely understand the great. And, you know, you can go back to Deion Sanders. None of us can do what he's doing, but we also, it's just a little bit of admiring him of how he goes about it, how different it is, but it's working for him. Is it sustainable? Mm, you know, I don't know. But, you know, I, it's really interesting just to watch and how great they are at it, but how did they get there? And that's a puzzle. That's a, that's a thousand piece puzzle, not, you know, something so simple. It's like, uh, yeah. it's, it's one level to tell somebody, Hey, you got a torn ACL. It's another level to be able to repair the ACL. It's another person to be able to take somebody with a torn ACL, fix it, and then give them to the PR. All right. Yeah. That's the ISO, right? You just, yeah. you can give them, your team and then he'll take it and he'll beat you with, with your team. That's, you know, that's, that's what he can do. Um, so that's a couple of things on leadership that, you know, as we were listening, I wanted to throw out there too. Uh, the relationship with your leaders is huge. Uh, one thing that I've done, uh, different practices. Um, if I felt like my team kind of needed a, a jump start, maybe we were getting a little too content was pull a, a leader of our team, or maybe it's too, to the side and have that chat with them. Hey, I feel like we're getting a little, you know, content. What do you think? You know, we, we just have a conversation and uh, every time I've had it, that player has agreed. They got the same feel. And then I would say, listen, you're the leader of this team. I'm going to dog you at practice today. Every single thing that I'm watching you, I'm not watching the other guys. I'm watching you and I'm getting on you. And the players are going to know, that if Coach Kramer's getting on our point guard, our captain, our best player, whatever that might be, then what's their excuse, right? So are we on the same page, right? Is we good? Like this, this, yep. And we've always had, I've only done it maybe three times ever in the time that I've spent, I've spent coaching, but that's something that I've pulled out here and there. I've always been glad I did it. I felt like it strengthened my relationship. With, between myself and the captain. I felt like the practices were tremendous. The effort was great. Um, and so that that would be, you know, maybe another activity that you might be able to pull out, um, you know, here and there. And then my other thought was, and this goes along with coach what Coach Troshak said so, so well about, you know, making things tough is, you know, just thinking about who your leaders are. And sometimes it can be hard because maybe the, the leading scorer isn't your leader. And there's times where uh, because things are going so well, it seems like different people are leading. But going back to what Coach Stroh said, when things go bad, who do the kids look to? There's your leader, right? Because every crappy team has a leading score when everybody's winning and happy. Hey, everybody's, you know, getting getting to eat, Right. When things go bad, who's the person that people look to? And um, if you can do that early in the season, I think you you really get to find out, you know, what uh, your leaders are made of, what your team is made of, and who those guys or girls are, are going to be willing to willing to follow. As we finish this out, I wanted to open this up for comments from Troy, comments from from Coach Tro, and any questions that we have from. Uh, our our guests here, and then we'll we'll shut it down over the next you know ten fifteen minutes. Um, you know, as I, I you asked me to come on here, and you know, being a coaching background or trying to help coaches and parents, I guess, and players, you know, I always try to put my hat on as athletic director. And one of the last questions I would ask when I was interviewing coaches is, "What is your staff going to look like?" You know, I got Coach A and Coach B, but I want to know 
what what's your staff going to look like? Um, who do you have it lined up already? And then if you don't have, if you got a couple spots left, the basketball, it's easier. You have five or six guys. Football, you know, could be 10. Um, what does that staff look like? What are you, what thoughts have you put into that? You know, what roles are they going to play? Um, when I talk about, when I think we talk about players buying in, um, when I see successful coaches, successful programs, I should say, um, there is buy-in from every coach that the head coach is the smartest dude I've ever met. And I don't mean that they have to look at him as a genius, but they have bought into what he's selling. They have bought into the product and they fully support um, our offensive approach, our defensive approach, our philosophy. Um, yes, you want them to have different personalities. You want them to be able to pull different types of kids off to the side and coach them. But buy-in into our system is the most crucial thing as a coaching staff. Um, because if there's a weak link, kids will find it. And then there's talk, you know, well, I thought we should have ran the ball this play or we should have ran the, we should have blitzed here or, you know, it's all those kind of things. And when I watch coaches that are on the same page, the head coach could be sick and you would not know it. You know, they could miss a practice and you would not know it. A uh, parent could catch somebody at the grocery store, assistant at the grocery store, and it would be like talking to the head coach. When you're there, things are good. Um, when you're not there, it can get ugly. And, and you know, it's how coaches get fired. <laughs> you know, somebody's turning on somebody and, and um, there's not a trust, there's not a relationship. And, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing is how can you put a staff together that is trustworthy? And I mean like brothers. Um, and that are all on the same page, you know, on same page, same chapter, same book, day in, day out, and know why we do what we do. And I think that to go back to why, when I tell people about you, Steve, I tell them that he not only teaches them skills, he tells them the why. And I think that's, as a coaching staff, you need to be preaching that same why every day. And what is our purpose? I think coach said it a couple of times, what's our why? Um, who are we? And, you know, when you look at programs, I don't care if it's football, I can look at Northwest Ohio and identify the top three basketball programs in the last 30 years. Um, they've had a why and their why looks the same for that long. You know, my boys got to play at Eastwood football and their why was pretty consistent. You know, um, that's my message to coaches. Find your guys. Find your people um, and, and put together a staff that are speaking the same language. So that's my last my kind of flash there. Um, that's my athletic director's head, or headset on. Um, one last thing, I think athletic directors need to do a better job of being coaches, um, coaching their coaches so that the entire school, you know, Eastwood, you know, you've, you've had Brian Sable a lot of times. Everyone at Eastwood believes in the weight program. Every coach, every program believes. So that makes the athletes better. The coaches are all the entire athletic programs on the same page. And you know what? They win. Um, and I do believe that because everybody, um, they all have their own style, but they all believe in that one system and it's working. Um, and, and I just use Eastwood because that's where I always went. So there's other ones doing it but it's pretty easy to identify who's doing it right. And, you know, I think you have to coach your coaches to buy in. Yeah, I don't got, I don't have much. Um, just one. Thanks coach Kramer for allowing us to do this. Uh, I got a page full of notes. I uh, appreciate it. And, you know, as Troy was talking about with, you know, who's kind of like in your circle in terms of staff, like, I think it's also good to have, that. it's great to have that. Um, and then have like a mentor or even just like a colleague, somebody that you can bounce off ideas that's in the same situation. And that's what's the nice part about the coach's edge, whether it's, you know, oh gosh, I could name off five different coaches that I could text and pick their brain for something because yes, assistants and, you know, JV and freshman coach are great, but sometimes you need another head coach that knows exactly kind of what you're going through 
Um, so I think that can be beneficial that just kind of when he was talking about building your staff, also building your circle that is going to help you become a leader. And it doesn't always have to be just your staff. It could be, you know, another great leader. Um, one person that I bounce off ideas is my former principal at Brown City um, and superintendent. I think they're just great, great leaders. Um, so if I ever need anything, I feel free or I feel I can go back to them. They're like in my in that circle um, that helped me become, you know, you're trying to improve as a leader. So it's one thing. But again, coach, thanks. Uh, I know we're running out of time and I, I don't want to go too long. So I appreciate you, you having us. No, I appreciate both of you guys. Uh, thank you guys for uh, taking the time to join our panel tonight and uh, to continue to learn. Uh, again, I got a page of notes myself from the things that you guys uh, have mentioned. I think we're all better because of the time that that we spent together and uh, the the coach to coach relationship, the the mentor relationship, the the colleague or the peer relationship. I think those are all very beneficial. Um, and one of the reasons why I asked you two to speak to us is, is you are in that boat for me. Uh, you guys have both made me uh, a better coach, a, a better person as I continue to you know, try to be better in my own journey of coaching and training a life and, and trying to impact uh, coaches and, and obviously kids that I get the chance to work with. So uh, to everybody on here, we, we certainly appreciate you. Have a great night. You guys know you can always reach out to me if you need anything, and I'm happy to help. Thanks, guys. Coach, good luck. Again, thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. I hope it makes a difference for you, a difference for your players and for your program, whether you're a, a third and fourth, fifth grade youth basketball coach, whether you're an AAU coach, whether you're a, a, a rising you know, freshman basketball coach or a varsity basketball coach or a college basketball coach, whatever that might be. I hope that you found the Coach's Edge podcast beneficial in whatever position that you're in. Maybe you're a parent. Or maybe, maybe you're a, a hoop junkie as, as a player. You know, maybe you're a 20-year-old college player who loves the game and wants to keep getting better at it. And so you're listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. I want to thank all of you guys for your listenership, for your support. If there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. Uh, and the best way to do that is to check out our membership, coachesedge.coach. And I can really be by your side along this basketball season and serve, serve your needs from afar. Thanks for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Get after it today.